Hello and welcome back to SR Fitness 365 Podcasts with me, your host, Scott Rogers. Season 2, Episode 3. And today's topic is going to be the London Marathon. Um, I think this would be an I- not an ideal time, but the right sort of time to kind of share my story about the London Marathon. Um, I ran it back in 2017. And also just discuss a little bit about what's obviously happened this year. Um, I wasn't personally doing it myself, but I've got a lot of people that I know was doing it. So I'm gutted for them. I know the sort of preparation that goes into to running these events um, and and participating in them as well. So gutted that obviously it's been cancelled due to COVID. But yeah, I just want to touch on a little bit about more of a personal kind of journey with with the London Marathon, what I went through. Um, if you're a keen runner, it might be of interest to you or you're thinking about potentially booking into to London Marathon at some point or, or any marathon for that matter, you might take something from this podcast. So I've got a few notes that I'm going to fly through, but we're going to wing it a little bit. I'm going to tell you a little bit about my story. So sit down. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Okay, so the London Marathon. So I suppose, what is it? So it's it's a 26.2 distance event that you can predominantly run. Um, obviously, there's wheelchair and also you can you can walk it. Um, now, normally you have to complete it. I believe, don't quote me on this, it's within eight hours. Um, because of road closures and stuff, you have to complete it within the eight hours before they open the roads back up. But anyway, let's touch on 2020. So COVID has struck again. Um, it originally obviously cancelled the event back in back in April, which is predominantly when they run the event. Um, and it was delayed to, I believe, the start of October. So for people that were training for it, obviously, it's a, a bit of a spanner in the works that it got delayed another sort of like six, seven months. But I think it gave them a focus during lockdown and stuff to stay active, continue the training and hope that, you know, the event could go on in October. Now, I think it was maybe two days ago from recording this podcast, they announced that unfortunately they'd have to cancel the event um, altogether this year, um, which, uh, you know, I I went and did the London Marathon in 2017 and I know I didn't even do half of what most people do in terms of their preparation for these sort of events. And I'm absolutely gutted for anyone that would have been taking part in this event. I know London Marathon are putting something on. I believe, again, don't quote me on this, but Sunday the 4th of October, they're doing like a virtual race um, for everybody, um, which I believe is is via an app you track, you run, similar to kind of like your Stravas and Map My Runs and stuff. I think um, the London Marathon have got their own app where you can actually go on that day. And I think as long as you complete it within the day, you'll still receive a medal and a T-shirt from the event, um, which is a, a good gesture. And hopefully it, it will work as well as it can work so people can still you know run that distance and have something to show for it which which is a good thing I think um, and I think they automatically get the option to opt into the to 2021 or 2022 2023 I think so the place is still secure and hopefully one day they'll be able to experience the whole event um, but knowing that they can still complete that 26.2 miles on a virtual race and still achieve a medal for it. Hopefully, it will keep people going. Um, but yeah, that aside, I thought 
whilst the London Marathon is a, is a kind of topic at the moment on the news and stuff, it'd be a good opportunity for me to kind of share a little bit about my journey with, with the London Marathon back in 2017. Um, the do's and don'ts that I did, but I must put a little disclaimer out that, you know, although I'm a fitness coach and stuff, I'm not no running expert. So this is purely me sharing my my experiences and what I learned over my experiences. Whether you take that on board if you're a runner or or whether you want to kind of, you know, go over it on your own path, that's completely up to you. But I just wanted to put that out there that this is just a personal experience from what I did. Um and take it take it as you wish really so how did this all come about now since I can remember I'd always well since I could we talked about obviously my my weight fluctuations back when I was younger but ever since I can remember I did enjoy running to a degree um, I was an active person always growing up but that was kind of never the aim to go down the London Marathon route but I always watched it on the telly and thought you know how hard can it be yeah little did I know um but it's one of those ones that you have to be super lucky, um, know a guy or have run it before and maybe get like a ballot to get into the London Marathon. Now, although I think there's over like 100,000 people that run the London Marathon each year, to get a spot on the London Marathon is so, so hard. And a lot of people apply and they get nowhere. Um, but I think I might have been watching it one year, probably the 2016 and I just thought, oh, I'll go for it. So I Googled it. Um, I saw what sort of charities that had spaces for the 2017. Um, and there was a charity called Sparks. Now, they deal with, you know, children with cancer and stuff. And we'll go into it in another day. But on a personal note, I've suffered um, a family member, a young family member who had cancer and unfortunately passed away. And I wrote to, to this charity and explained kind of a... Obviously, I wanted to do the marathon on a personal front, but if I could help a charity that would have helped my my family member, um, then then fantastic and raise a little bit of money as well. So, you know, I sent I sent a little shot in the dark and I sent a message across and kind of just sat it out and saw what happened. And within two weeks, I got an email back from the charity and said that I'd been I'd been offered a spot. And I was I was firstly I was shocked. I was like, wow, I didn't expect a a reply, but b to actually be offered a position now I think sparks charity only had about 25 available slots for this marathon um so i was kind of sat there like it's now or never you know the, these opportunities don't come about every year and they basically wanted the deposit which i think was probably about 100 quid or something to secure your spot so i was like what do i do i've always wanted to do it never had the opportunity never ever thought i'd get the opportunity and now i've got one ping them 100 quid and i'm in so I did it. I just went for it. I was like, sod it. We're going for it. I booked it in. Um, April 2017, London Marathon. Let's have it. We're in. Okay, so next thing I know, I'm thinking, I've sat down. I've gone, it's miles away. Don't worry about it. I'll worry about it later on. Um, and I probably, from from the day of paying the, the 100 quid, I, I don't think I even run for the next sort of two to four weeks. I just kind of sat out, was telling everyone, you know, I'm, in, I'm doing the London Marathon next year. Um, I'll worry about it nearer the time. Um, and that was kind of it really. And, and it wasn't till probably, I want to say like October, November time, 2016. So we're kind of like six months out from the event. I thought, right, I should probably, um, I should probably have a little run and see where I'm at. And I kid you not, I, I didn't even get three miles without having to stop for a walk or a breather. And I thought what I've just done there, I'm going to have to do another nearly nine times 
to complete the London Marathon. And that kind of hit home a little bit. It's like, right, now I need to start actually looking at my diet, looking at training more. Everything needs to go into place to be able to even consider completing this London Marathon. I was like, didn't, didn't even think nothing of it. Um, I was three miles in, my legs were shaking. I, I didn't even think I could get any further. And that three miles, considering it's 26, um, yeah, it really hit home. So I was like, right, I've got to do something about this. So Christmas came up parents were like you know the usual what do you want instead of getting the argos catalog out i was like right i need to get myself some running trainers now this is fundamentally i think some other runners might disagree but trainers is probably the most important thing that i can stress matters when running i tried to run in just some bog standard 40 pound gym trainers and shin splints galore like honestly i can't tell you how bad it was so I said to him, look, I want to get some proper running trainers. Now, you got to take fashion completely out the window when you're talking running trainers. And runners, you'd agree, they are not the prettiest of things. But my God, do they make a difference. Um, so, yeah, so Christmas came about and I got a voucher for a um, for a sports performance place that they do all like your analysis and stuff. It's proper techie. Um, and they, they basically create your, find you the best trainer for your running stance to help you with your your imbalances and stuff which is wicked so i think it was day after boxing day i traveled up to this place a bit hung over as well but i thought you know they might get me to go on the treadmill for a little bit but it, it won't be nothing strenuous that was my next mistake i got there and i kid you not i thought i was running for hours like they got me on the treadmill four or five different pairs of trainers they got me out in the car park doing laps i thought i was gonna puke um but anyway, long story short, I got myself a pair of trainers and I took them out for a little test drive um, a couple of days later. And they take a little bit of time to get used to because they are quite clumpy. Uh, well, mine were quite clumpy anyway because I had a bit of an instep. So they built up the insides. So it felt a little bit funny to start with. But once you kind of wear them in, they they were absolute godsend. And that was kind of the the ticking point for me. You know, it was like... A new lease of life. I got my new trainers. I actually was keen to get out and start running in them. It was, January was coming up as well, so I had them, you know, January feels where you know next year I'm going to go for it. As soon as January turns, that's it. London Marathon on my mind. I pretty much stopped the gym. Didn't really touch the gym. Um, I felt like I had a bit too much muscle mass on me. Which for anyone that will know, for someone who's carrying, you know, more more body weight. It's going to be harder um, to run, and and that's kind of there's there's no stigma to it. You know, if you've got a lot of muscle mass, you tire quicker. You've got a lot more body weight to move. Um, you need a lot more oxygenated blood to the to the body and stuff. There's loads of scientifics to it, but basically, if you're a heavy lad, it's going to be harder for you to run long distance. So I needed to trim down, and that's basically what I did. Um, I ran and ran, pretty much neglected weight training altogether. Um, and the weight was dropping off me and as the weight dropped off me and I was running more consecutively you know my my speeds were getting quicker my distances were getting longer my recovery was getting better and it wasn't till probably a good six six seven eight weeks in from January that I actually thought yeah this is now sort of feeling like it could be achievable that I could complete it and that's kind of how it all started so the next i'd say mistake the next mistake that i learned from was i booked in for a 
like a little half marathon. Now, Silverstone Racetrack, they do a half marathon around March time, which a lot of um, London Marathon runners book into. I don't know if they do it anymore. I think they might have stopped it. But at the time, this was like the key event prior to London Marathon. It was like a half marathon, get you kind of race ready, um, which is great. Because before that, I was kind of just going out on my own, hitting the road, um, you know, not really pacemaking or anything like that. Just, just basically going for a run. And the one thing I would stress for anyone who's doing an, an event is to do some pre-events because you learn so, so much from it. It's crazy. And it keeps you on track as well to know where you're at. So basically, I, I booked in for this half marathon as a kind of build-up race. And what I basically did was I got there. And when you, when you get there on the start track, they have what's classed as um, pacemakers. So they've got experienced runners that, that know exactly their run speeds and stuff. And they wear a little backpack with a big flag. And the flag basically says uh, a finish time. So for the half marathon, you've got you know anything from an hour, 20 minutes machines all the way down, you know, three hours or whatever it is. Um, so I, I kind of gauged where I thought I might be. And then before I knew it, I was edging forward, edging forward, going past a couple of flags. And I was standing next to this flag bearer who had an hour and a half on his on his um, backpack. So I thought, all right, I'll give that a go then. I don't, I don't know quite where I'm at. So I did the first three miles sticking with this pacemaker. Obviously, if you stick with that pacemaker throughout the race, you're, you're bound to finish the race there or thereabouts with the time on his flag. And I did the first three miles in about 22 minutes, which for me was far too quick, like crazy quick. I'm probably talking I was about a nine, nine and a half minute uh, mile runner. And I did my first three miles in about seven and a half minute miles. So as you can imagine, I was absolutely shook. Like my legs were gone. And this was when it really started to hit home. I, I said to myself, like, I'm not going to be able to stick at this pace. So my pace started to come down. And there's nothing more demoralizing when you're running of people running past you. And as I was slowing down and people were staying with their own pacemakers that they clearly picked correctly... They were running past me and past me and it was it was so deflating I would just I couldn't do it but after probably about two miles I found my pace that I was comfortable with I found the kind of flag barrel that I wanted to be with which was probably more like two hour mark and then the people around me at the two hour mark were running sort of at the similar pace so I started not getting overtaken and I found my stride and I got to about the 12th mile out of a, a half marathon which is 13.1 miles and cramp setting now i think it was partly to do with the fact that obviously setting off far too quick naturally running for kind of over an hour and a half you're going to start to cramp up anyway so my left leg went then my right leg went then both my calves went then both my legs went and i absolutely doddled the next mile i barely even was in a in a chug i was more kind of walking um and it was horrific honestly and then i don't know what it is but as you come round the bend of any any marathon or any run or whatever and you see a finish line, your brain just tells you to sprint. I don't know what it is. I don't know where the energy comes from, but something in your head just goes, that's the end finish line. Go for it. As soon as you get there, it's done. So me completely forgetting about my legs not working and, and the cramping and everything else in between, I've saw these flags and I've gone. I've, I've, I've hit the road and I've just sprinted. 
and they've gone again and ping ping like my hamstrings were just tightening up i think there's a photo out there on social media where i'm like grabbing my hamstring like i've been shot like snipered from behind um which i'll have to find and, and add this on but basically yeah, across across the finish line i think it was like two hours 10 minutes i weren't happy with it i definitely thought i'd be under two hours but with everything in between there's no such thing as a bad run i always say because you either you have a good run or you learn from a run and i definitely definitely learned from that run um so what i did when i got home i just booked myself in for my next event and that was fundamentally what what kind of helped and i think if i would have not done these build-up events to london god knows what would have happened because if i would have set off too quick for london i may not have even completed it so the next one that came up was um was a run in bedford now I, I i don't know bedford that well but i didn't think it would be how it was now where this event was in bedford was was just hill after hill after hill honestly i've never seen so many hills in my time i thought i was in wales it is madness um and bedford the bedford 20 miler was basically i think three or four weeks out from london so it was going to be my last big event before i kind of kind of slowed down a little bit and just kind of made sure my legs were ticking over but didn't really do any more big runs now this bedford one was was classed as like a an open road event which means that they with silverstone obviously it's on a track so they don't have any traffic or anything like that or any cars whereas bedford was um was just free roaming basically on the roads they had like stewards and stuff to point you in the right direction but you still had the cars flowing so what that meant is basically you weren't allowed to wear headphones now i didn't know this till i hit the start line i had my headphones in and someone pulled them out of my ear and was like you can't wear them because obviously the stewards aren't going to be able to tell you directions you're not going to hear cars come in and i was like what i'm about to run like three plus hours with no headphones that I've, I've never run five minutes without headphones like all of my training was with headphones if my headphones died when i was running out just on my own I turn around and go straight back home or a detour home like and you're telling me now i've got to run 20 miles with no headphones no mate next to me or nothing this is going to be horrific and to be brutally honest it was like it was horrible but i was like well i'm here now i've got up at the crack of dawn and drove to bedford i've just got to get it done haven't i so i did the opposite to silverson i just set off super slow probably too slow to be fair i think the first three miles was 30 plus minutes like we're talking 10 minute miles but to be honest with you, I think I preferred that because I knew I had more in the tank and I could speed up once I found my rhythm rather than going off far too quick and just balls in it. Um, so, yeah, so, I, you know, I went round and Bedford was a tough one. It was, you know, really hilly, no headphones. I just It was just me and my my head just talking crap, like just thinking of stories and what am I having for dinner and just anything to pass a bit of time. I was counting sheep and whatever um there was a few people wanting to have a little chat as we went round, but you know it's not really my thing to be fair but all in all you know I, I got through that and i got to the finish line went up to, to you know get my little goodie bag and my medal no medals what is that all about you made me just run 20 miles i've not even got a medal now i'm a bit of a medal collector and they gave me a jumper this bright orange jumper i thought thanks very much now obviously or orange is my thing i don't mind a bit of orange but i was expecting a medal for running 20 miles so bedford if you're listening get that sorted you gotta have some medals at the end of it but that was basically my build-up event so what i'd learned from it is trainers are key pace setting is key make sure you know your legs and you know your pace 
um, and set yourself up with the right sort of um, attire. So next up was London. Um, London was on a Sunday, boiling hot. I think it's been hotter in recent years, but it was boiling hot. But preparation, I thought, was going to be key. So you go down the day before, you go to like the XL, you pick up your number, and that's when it started to really hit home that I was here and this is going to happen. You know, I picked up my number, and I just tried. I tried to relax, really. Like, um, Lil's come with me, and we we booked a hotel. So I was in London. I couldn't think of anything worse than traveling to London on marathon day. That would have just been a nightmare. So I booked a hotel, kind of as close as we could, um, a few stops away on on the tube and stuff, and just kind of settled in with that. Really went out for like a, an Italian the night before, just kind of carved up a little bit. Um, and I'll come on to food in a second because I think that's going to be really key as well. But um yeah build up to london was was good and obviously the training was one side of it but the fundraising was the other side now i think talking about fundraising stuff's a completely separate podcast in itself i could talk for hours about it but i had to raise two thousand pounds solely um almost just to take part in this event because you know the charities have to pay for people to enter an event which is madness in itself but obviously there's a lot of things they have to cover so yeah so trying to raise two grand was was a task in itself let alone the training on the side um i did various different events which you know 24 hour events spinathons football sessions you know you name it raffles i did what i could but that that was one side of things but the other side was the training so we're on we're on marathon night um got got as much rest as i could and then the next morning i'm i'm up at the crack of dawn and what i was doing is the 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 week before i was kind of googling like what's the best food what's the best drink to have before a marathon and there's so many people with so many opinions that i kind of ended up taking a bit of everyone and putting it all on a plate and and going down that route and one thing again like i say i'm not an expert in running but one thing i would say is just go with what you know um i i trained for the say the six months build up to london on very basic stuff water you know oats flapjacks maybe a few energy gels but nothing really nothing really too mental maybe some of the like cubes and stuff and the gels but i didn't really do anything out of the ordinary and then because i was a week away from london google was telling me to to have everything you know i'm talking like sticky toffee pudding the night before jelly babies mars bars lucasades porridges and what i did is i basically got everything and my breakfast that morning i kid you not it was on like it was like the whole table's worth of food and i was just ramming it all in obviously i needed the energy but at the same time when you have like a thousand plus calories in a meal if you're like an average bloke you feel like crap after like you feel full you feel tired and i was walking to the tube like ready to get the tube down to where the start point was and i was like i'm so full i can't move how am i going to run 26.2 miles now so one thing i would say is obviously you do need to do the carb up stuff you need to make sure you've got the energy in that but stick to what you know don't go off plan because it came back to haunt me a little bit later on um and that's kind of where I went from. So I tubed it to the start line and I've never seen so many people in my life. Like I've been to big football stadiums and stuff, but this was like no end. It was like a festival times 10, um, just full of like nervous energy. People were like weird, like weirdly saying hello to you, like what's going on? Like something mad was about to happen. And I think the marathon started at about 9am and the queues for the toilets were just like longer than I've ever seen before. Um, a lot of dodgy bellies, put it that way. 
Um, so you get put into like little pens and stuff like where you're at. And I, th- I don't think I crossed the line until about 10 a.m., like an hour gone. And I don't think I started till about 10 a.m. But this was it now. I kind of just said, right, the hard work in theory is done. Like all the training's done. You know, I've, I've run distances of 20 miles. Now I just want to just sit back. It's a summer's day and just enjoy it. And that's kind of what I tried to do. That As I crossed the start line, you know, you get this like weird like belly feeling that, you know, this is it now. Everyone around is the same big crowds out and stuff like that and and it is amazing i've just just realized like the people that are listening to this that haven't done london marathon they're meant to do this year it sounds like i'm just rubbing it in like your time will come i do apologize but i'm just trying to share like my feelings and how it went down um so yeah the first couple of miles I, i don't even remember like you're so lost in the moment of the crowds around you like the people around you but i remembered in my head the one thing i do remember just keep it steady keep it slow keep it steady and i have my watch on you know you have your tracker and stuff like that that you can track to see your mileage and every mile that you pass there's a screen that you know you're kind of on track and at the start it is a bit bedlam it's like like pig bends it's like sardines in there but eventually it does kind of level out a bit and people start to space out um and that that was kind of it now it's just like right just stick to the plan I got myself near a pacemaker that I genuinely thought I would be near and it seemed to be that way like I, I'm pretty sure I saw him the majority of the time um, and I just tried to soak it all up really soak up the atmosphere in my head I was like I'm never going to do this again so let, let's just try and enjoy it and and the miles started ticking over really I had a few kind of jelly babies in my pocket like jelly cubes and stuff like that for energy throughout and that was kind of it really and, and again like sticking to what you know I think that London Marathon was sponsored by um, by LucasAid. So basically, I think it was like every three miles was water and then every fifth or tenth mile or something was LucasAid. So again, I was going from water to LucasAid, back to water to LucasAid. And I think I must have drunk about six, seven bottles of LucasAid during the whole event. And again, like apologies for the people that were running behind me, but that was not pretty. Like there's too much going on. There's too much too much stuff in there um so again if if you're not used to training with lucas aids and stuff just just stay clear of them and stick with water because what i found was i was getting lots of energy spikes but then come downs and then i'll take another lucas aid and get another spike and down and spike and down and spike and i think if you have water throughout you just kind of stay on this level playing field of energy and i think if i was to do any event like that again i'd probably just stick with water unless obviously you've trained with lucas aids and stuff but that that was kind of where I was at, and um, and I felt good. I felt I felt good in myself. My stride was strong. Um, the one thing I would say is that I always seemed to run in light skins. Now it was a boiling hot day, but I'd always run in skins, so I wanted to kind of keep it the same. And my skins had pockets as well, so I could put like my phone in it and stuff. I didn't have any of my straps before. Um, I think if I was to do it again, I'd definitely go for the short shorts and vest because it was boiling. Um, but my first. My first moment of doubt, if you like, was around the 12th, 13th mile, about halfway in. Now, you go over Tower Bridge. Now, Tower Bridge, um, as you get to the end of Tower Bridge and you turn what I think is right, across the road is like the the elite athletes that are, are almost running back to the finish line. They're about 21, 22 miles in. And that's the that's depressing because you think I'm not even halfway yet and they're on their home legs. And that is so hard to take in, like, because you've been you've been running for a good two hours now. If you're kind of my pace, four hours or whatever. And I thought, like, this is tough. Now that was my first moment of like, 
this is gonna get this is gonna get deep <laughs> they're nearly home and i'm not even halfway and i'm knackered so that was kind of like my first little moment but you plod on and then and then i got to 20 miles now 20 miles is the furthest i'd ran before which was that bedford one of four weeks ago and when i got to this 20th mile this is when things started to hit home and you hit the wall now I, as a build up to London, I asked about this wall when I've, I've watched Rum Fat Boy run and they talk about the wall and, but no one can ever really explain it. And I get it. Like until you know, when you hit the wall, but you can't, you can't anticipate it and you don't really know when it's coming. It kind of just hits you like a wall hits you. And it's a moment where your body stops working. Your mind tells you to stop. And you see a lot of people around you stopping people hit the wall at the same sort of time as you you see them walking you see them like holding on holding on to their heads like trying to catch their breath and you got to be a strong independent woman woman or man um to be able to push through that wall and you've literally got to have a little chat with yourself and if you're doing it you know you've got to have internal voices to tell you you know carry on and be mentally strong but also externally obviously if you're doing it for a charity and stuff like that that's when them sort of thoughts come in and that's why you got to remind yourself, you know, this is why you're doing it. And all that money you've raised and all them dark nights in, in the winter months where you're out running when you could be at home just relaxing. These are the moments that come to right now where you've got to find that inner strength to push through. So what I decided to do was I took my headphones out. Now, I've always been against running without headphones, but I thought something's got to change here. There's only so many albums I could listen to. So I took my headphones out and I put my headphones in my pocket. And obviously towards the back end of the marathon is when the big crowds start to get there because they probably know that that's when they're going to need you the most um, or you're going to need them, sorry, the most like to cheer you on. And plus they want to see people like finish the finish line. And there's probably some sick people out there that want to see people suffer as well. Um, so yeah, the walls basically for me, what I found the wall to be is like you're past 20 miles now, you're into your 21st mile and you think I'm nearly home. You think, I've done 21 miles, I've only got five miles left. When in reality, five miles is still potentially a good a good part of an hour's run. Now, to just go out and run for an hour is still a tough crack. But once you've been running for three odd hours and you've completed 20 miles and your legs don't work, that's a different ball game. And that's what I was thinking in myself. I was like, I'm done, but I've still got an hour. And that's the wall. And this is what happened to me. And what happened was, it was like... It was like fate. It was like Satan out of nowhere. And what happened was this this lovely tall tall guy with a lovely beard comes out of nowhere and taps me on the shoulder. And I thought, what the hell's going on here? There's a hundred thousand people here. Who's tapping me on the shoulder? Am I in someone's way? And I turned round and this guy had the same jersey as me. Like we were running for the same charity. There was 25 of us out of over 100,000 people and this guy rocks up at the same time as me the moment I'm in need of some help and he's and he's basically gone, come on. Like We looked at each other and we both kind of said to our, ourselves that we're going to have to run together and support each other. Like we're all, the Sparks charity had like a little Facebook group where the runners were in. I didn't recognise him because I didn't really interact in it too much but afterwards we found each other on it and that, that you know, we'll come to that in a second but um yeah it was like the moment of need he was there for me and and vice versa you know he started to struggle but we pushed each other along and you know with headphones out we just started chatting you know all the usual stuff just proper rubbish chat where you're from what do you do blah 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 
and before you know it the miles started to tick over the miles started to tick over we should have really held hands really it was a proper moment um but yeah like we got we got through it and we got to about the the 25th mile and that's when you start to see big ben now big ben's kind of like renowned for knowing like that's near the finish line and i saw big ben and that's when i was like right you know we're nearly here now um and then i turned the corner when you turn that corner the finish line on the london marathon's probably a good three four hundred yards away and again like that that burst of energy like silverstone came to me and without any hesitation or remorse for my lovely six foot lovely mate with a nice beard i just sacked him off and went I was gone. I was like Usain Bolt. Didn't even tell him. I was just gone. I saw the finish line and I was gone. Um, and I crossed the line. And when you complete the London Marathon, if you've completed it already or if you're going to complete it, you'll know it's it's like no other. Honestly, I can't even put into words that feeling like all the effort and everything you've done and what you've just done today comes down to crossing that moment. And that that is very very close to tears like there's people breaking down around you but it is it's like no other feeling um it's really really strange and i I can't even relate it to anything maybe when you have a kid or something but i ain't even done that yet so i don't know what that feels like but it's just a, a feeling of like happiness that it's it's done um and that hopefully is what you know a lot of people are going to find if they if they manage to do it in the future because i think only two percent i think luke was saying on a previous podcast only two percent of the uk have actually completed a marathon let alone the london one itself um but yeah it was it was crazy really and and this time i got a medal which was good um and you know i was tucking into my salt and vinegar crisp that you get in your little goodie bag and i managed to meet matey boy again and kind of said to him sorry about that mate i just kind of had a bit of a burst of energy and um, we congratulated each other and stuff like that but that was great and um yeah you know you you feel like it's done now like the london marathon's finished and then you forget how far away the car is i kid you not like honestly it felt like forever i was just you know you had to walk back to this car you had to get on the tube and you're absolutely drained and then the worst thing is like you're talking it's a saturday or a sunday in london really really hot apart from everyone who's doing the london marathon there's everyone out on like day sessions and I remember, I remember I was on this tube going back to the car and there was a group of people that were obviously having a good time and stuff and and they looked at me and they were like, oh, have you done the marathon? I thought, fucking well done, Einstein. Like, I'm stood here in running gear with a medal around my neck, dripping with sweat. Like, good guess, you know what I mean? And when you've got no energy, like, it, you can't even, like, try have a fake laugh about it. I was just like, yeah, like, yeah I've done it, basically. Um, but we, man- we managed to get back to the car um and the journey back was horrific luckily i didn't have to drive but the journey back was horrific and you know you do the usual post run sort of stuff you get you get in the bath and i think i smashed a chinese that night and it was probably the best night's sleep i've ever had in my entire life i I slept like an absolute baby it was crazy um but yeah that that's kind of like the london marathon in a nutshell for me it was it was an experience like no other and if you've ever sat there and contemplated doing it like i couldn't recommend it highly enough like it's so so hard it is crazy hard and if i did anything like it again i'd prepare a lot lot better um but it, it takes some commitment and right now i don't think i've got that kind of commitment in me to be able to just compete or do a london marathon again but i'll stick to doing like my casual kind of 10ks and what what have you but 
for now i think that that's kind of like my my kind of london marathon story really and if anyone's got anything to relate to or add to that by all means find me on socials and and explain your stories if you've done it It'd be good to hear other people's ideas but my definite do's for for doing it was trial everything in training all of like the food supplementations the drinks you know your running paces try it all in training shoes get yourself some decent shoes if you're trying to run in sliders it's not going to happen like you've got to have a decent pair of shoes give yourself plenty of time as well like i i kind of rushed my four months of training when in reality i probably should have spread it out a lot longer to be able to give myself the best opportunity i completed it and all that jazz i wasn't overly happy with my time i finished it in four hours 35 i kind of wanted to be quite near the four hour mark but it is what it is, do you know what I mean? The completing it is the main part. I'm ne- I'm never going to be running for GB, do you know what I mean? So as long as I completed it, that was the main thing for me. Um, I think overtraining as well. You can definitely overtrain. And if you if you do want to do this properly, and I'd definitely get yourself some kind of coach to kind of have someone to relate to and talk to about your situation. Because I, I think I went through a point of running most nights and I, probably some nights I just needed to chill out and have a bit of a rest and leave my legs alone but I was pounding the streets quite a lot and I think it probably done me no good so yeah definitely invest in a coach if if you are considering doing something like that um but yeah don't don't set off faster than your means definitely kind of start even a little bit slower than your actual pace and see and stick to what you know that's kind of what I'd say so stick to what you know stick to the paces that you know and that's probably my my dues for for any kind of marathon training Whoa, that was a blow. Um, I've kind of rambled a little bit there, but hopefully you've took some kind of ideas as to kind of what it's like to run a London Marathon for the average Joe. All that's kind of left for me to do is just kind of wish everybody this year the very best of luck with the virtual race. Everyone knows it is, if you've done it before, it's not going to be the same as doing the actual event, but hopefully it's going to give you something to stay motivated for. It's going to give you something to work towards. And hopefully with, with receiving the medal and the t-shirt and stuff for completing it virtually, it's still going to mean something to you. Um, and then hopefully, you know, you won't let all your training that you've done over the God knows how many months go to waste for nothing. But hopefully then obviously you can get onto one of the future year events that they're going to be opening back up. Hopefully as COVID does one, um, not just the marathon, but all the other sort of sporting activities and events come back open. But yeah, that is the London Marathon episode in a nutshell. Like I say, thanks very much for listening to this podcast. We kind of thrashed it out there a little bit, but... If you've got any questions, find me on socials, srfitness365. You can drop us an email, srfitness365 at outlook.com. Got plenty more ideas coming for some future pods, but if you've got any ideas yourself and you want to throw them in, um, I'm happily to do it because at the end of the day, I, I do this to share some stories, but also to kind of educate a little bit you listeners on on what I do and and hopefully help you in some capacity going forward. So all that's left to do is thank you for listening. If you know someone that that could benefit from this episode or that is a keen runner, please pass on the pod to them and I'll be back very shortly for episode number four. Take care.